It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 20th day of October 2022. This is The Horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the Merry Madcap Wacky Zany real-time multimedia extravaganza. It is The Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round at whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. And sincere thanks to you, whether you're listening to the podcast or listening to the live stream, whether you're listening on TuneIn or whether you're listening at HeadOn.Live, thank you. I'm just happy to have you part, be part of this community and part of this ongoing conversation. Your input is always welcome, unless you're like a right-wing lurker, then you can just, you know, hip right off. But you get the idea. And if you pop into the chat room at HeadOn.Live, you know, just click on chat room. It'll take you right there. Pick out a screen name and a password and uh, jump right in. You'll be greeted by early arrivers Theo out in the Pacific Northwest and Squeaky and Anatole. And capably moderated by Pinch Hit, midweek chat room utility moderator and all-around great guy, uh, Brother Bishop Steve from Georgia Stan. Steve! It's always a joy to see see Steve in, in, in the mix of things. Uh... And hi, I'm Robin. It's Thorn in the Side Thursday. I'm in a pretty good mood. Uh, it's a oh, beautiful outside today. I know I've been pissing and moaning about the coming of autumn, but you know this is the front end. And uh, well, I know. I guess we're a mu- we're a third of the way through autumn now. Damn, how about that? I Anatole, I am a Southern girl. I'm sorry, but I am. Uh, Oh, and there he is, having folded space, because he's a third-stage guild navigator. There is a uh, inveterate, indefatigable veteran chat room moderator, Sparky, uh, becoming Man Cave. Uh, but what I was saying is, oh, it's beautiful. And it's going to be beautiful for several more days. And, you know, the temps get up to mm, the high 60s, low 70s. There's a little bit more, there's a little bit more beauty to be had before, um, before... Winter comes slamming down on us, so I don't know. Maybe, 
maybe over the weekend, you know, get the get the cute boots out and the little hiking boots and the and the and the, and the leggings and get out on a trail somewhere. I could use the, I could use the walk. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself because every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And oh my goodness gracious! Um, so many thanks for such. Well, I got to tell you, it's like it's 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 a bit of a miracle. It's a bit of a miracle because I've done some amazing bill paying today, and I got to thank. Uh, well, we'll get all the thanks in. But big thanks to, uh, to to James, thank you James, and uh, to uh, to Shorty. Dig this. I don't quite know how to do. We're fully funded through tomorrow's program. We are fully. We're actually fully funded not through today but through tomorrow, and that is just amazing. Uh, so thanks going out, like I said, to James and to Shorty. And thanks as well to uh, uh, to Ralphs and to Vincent and to our good friend Reverbo, the human man. Thank you to Armand and thank you to John in New Mexico. Thank you, one and all, for helping to keep this little effort going and giving me a get, 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 taking a, taking a boatload of stress off of me. Boatload of stress off of me, uh, because you know, staying in the hole and everything. No, this is beautiful. This is just beautiful. So, um, thank you, thank you so 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 much. And so we'll let's see. After Friday, we've got six more broadcast days of October, and hopefully, we will end the month to the good. So if anybody wants to help out during the course of this program, tomorrow's program, but we don't have a hard goal. We're just trying to keep ahead, maybe get started on Monday or Tuesday. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, oh, and by the way, happy uh, happy belated birthday to Sparky. Uh, yesterday being prayer meeting Wednesday, you know, uh, the Sparky takes Wednesdays anyway. But uh, I hope uh, I hope he was celebrating joyfully. So um, yes, indeed, happy birthday, Sparky! And thanks for you know thanks thanks for thanks for just being part of this community for so very long. You are appreciated. Okay, so where do we begin this evening with this uh, thorn in the side Thursday? Because there's. As well, it, look like I said yesterday, we are in we are in the stupid season. So there will be right wing stupidity more than usual as we go toward November eighth. And you know, I just realized something today. I was talking to Miss Terry, um, and I said it dawned on me that the day after the general election in uh, November eighth, that'll that'll be my one year surgery anniversary. And that would be a cause for celebration, but if I wake up on 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 November the ninth and it's like the house has and the the, the 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 maggots have the house and the Senate, I don't know how. I'm, so you know, we I, I really want the ninth of November to be a super super happy day. So let's hang on to the house, let's hang on to the Senate, and then I can celebrate one year. That's going blows my mind. 
But, yeah, I don't need to be, I don't need for November 9th to be a bummer. <laughs> really, because I'm selfish that way. Thank you, Ralphs. Ralphs is offering a $25 challenge just for the heck of it. So if you would like to double your money just for the heck of it, uh, Ralphs is right there with you. And uh, thank you, Ralphs. Thank you so much, dear. Now, where do we begin? Uh, uh, my All my devices are blowing up with the news that Kevin Spacey has been found not liable in a lawsuit over sexual assault. And uh, I just, no, well, I will save that for the celebrity news programs, okay? I mean, if y'all don't mind. Uh, I didn't talk much about the uh, the Amber Heard suit or anything like that. So I'm going to just sort of stay with that. Uh, I'm going to stay with that policy. Although, although um, in, in in a uh, different vein, because this is kind of celebrity too, but it's also very very much a, a political story. John Stewart, who is doing some great work, and like I said before, did a fantastic job on his. And I love the title of the program: the problem with John, the problem with John Stewart. Uh, his first his first episode last week on Apple TV of the uh, second season was um, a complete debunking and deconstruction of all of the bilious garbage out there about bathrooms and sports and pronouns and uh, you know the, the 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 various and sundry miseries and right wing bullshit okay um, he did a great job and now he's taken a moment to uh have a run at uh ye uh the new york daily news reporting that John Stewart made reference to the fact that he had to run off to a 1 p.m. Jewish media mafia meeting. Uh, because, among other things, Yi, who is, although I'm not a professional, I'm told by professionals, deeply, uh, deeply, deeply behaviorally unwell, um, Ye now running around saying, the Jewish underground media mafia already started attacking me. John Stewart noting, if you're Jewish, then you're part of the Jewish mafia. But if you're not, then you're just a guy who's a dick to him in business. I don't have a ton of time today because I have a Jewish media mafia meeting to attend. Um. And then pointing out uh, um, the 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 the, <laughs> the ridiculousness of it all, Stewart said. To, Can I tell you something that was wild to me? I don't even know that it made the top ten anti-Semitic bullshit comments of the week. And he said, "It's mind-blowing how easily to me this weird Jew paranoia bullshit." flows from people's mouths and everybody's just like well that was weird yeah weird good 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 word good word and so 
we got that going on. But meanwhile, across the pond, and I was talking with Chris in Germany about this earlier. Uh, file this under G. I hope it didn't hurt too little. Liz Truss now owns the record that was previously held by a British Prime Minister from 1963 to 1964 of shortest-lived premiership in the history of Turf Island. I mean, going all the way back to the days of William Pitt and 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 all those hoary H O A R Y uh, old prime ministers. No one has lasted sh- less <laughs> shorter in office than Liz Truss. In fact, when her premiership began, uh, the uh, UK tabloid, the Daily Star began a live stream and they displayed a head of lettuce on one side of the video and a portrait of Liz Truss on the other and asked will Liz Trust will Liz Truss still be prime minister within the 10 day shelf life of a lettuce and <laughs> at day 7 at 1:37 p.m. Greenwich mean time a hand showed up in the video and slapped over the picture of Liz Truss because her gone. Um, she lasted just 45 days in office. And that was it. And she tanked, she tanked British markets, you know, with her little tax plan. And yeah, she's not... <laughs> Goodbye, goodbye. Rather a short and lovely time versus being your prime minister. Um, and so, various news outlets started comparing uh, Liz Truss's premiership, prime ministry, to other short-lived endeavors. Um. Uh, her her term in office was shorter than Kim Kardashian's marriage to former NBA player Chris Humphreys. That was 72 days. And uh, getting in on the act was uh, Anthony Scaramucci. Scaramucci, Scaramucci, can you do the fandango? Yeah, I'll sing. Why not? Um, he pointed out that you know he lasted 11 days in office as Trump's press secretary in 2017. And on Twitter, uh, Scaramucci said, Liz Truss lasted 4.1 Scaramucci's. Which I guess is like a parsec, only for sleazy maggot enablers. Uh, but it's, uh, it is. It's the, the, the shortest time ever. For a prime minister, and of course, the country's in chaos and upheaval, and they still seem unable to figure out that this all started with a racist exercise called Brexit, and they've had they've had not a moment's peace since. Oh well, 
uh, and uh, the article I'm looking at says, The party continued Thursday for the head of lettuce, which the Daily Star said it purchased at Tesco for 60 pence. That's 67 cents. It was joined by another uh, by an assortment of other googly-eyed fruits as a loop of reggae music and a swarm of colorful disco lights filled the room. It also wore the head of lettuce did a blonde wig. And it's particularly fitting because of course Liz Truss started out as something besides a Tory and then she turncoated. And now she's a the shortest prime minister ever to hold the office. Lee in New York pointing out uh, Tress exit. I think the appropriate reference is fastest ouster. I like that, but I wouldn't want to have to say it very often. Um. Oh, and that's uh, that, that's it. Yes. Uh, may I recommend a cowbell? Lee asks uh, for the Horn Community Congregation donor generosity. Yes. That's a huge cowbell for just giving me a couple of days of relief so that nobody's going to come and take anything away uh, or shut anything down or turn anything off. Because we do, this whole affair operates on the last thread of a dry-rotted sneaker lace. But yes, well well, well done, Lee. Uh, Stop it, Robin, says Lee. I appreciate the science reference, but a parsec is a unit of distance of time, or a unit of distance, not time. Well, it's got sec in it. Leave me alone. And then this, because this is Thorn in the Side Thursday. So, uh, there, there, there is a uh, giggle involved and naturally it features who else well Herschel I'm not uh, I'm not familiar with this particular show it's backed by or produced by Stephen Colbert it's called tuning out the news and it features an animated host names named James Smartwood well James Smartwood the animated news anchor called Herschel. You know, because Herschel's a law enforcement professional. Hello? Mr. Walker, hey, uh, this is James Smartwood from Big News. Do you have a second to chat? What paper are you with now? It's, uh, it's Big News. Basically, what I wanted to do was I wanted to report a crime. Uh, I left my window down in my car last night. Someone stole my laptop out of the passenger seat, and so I'm just trying to figure out if there's any way in your, you know, as someone who's a law enforcement person, uh, if there's any way you could take a look at it. Well, I tell you what we'll do is uh, we'll report your thing and and, uh, and all that and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be great. But what we'll do is you got a number I can call. Uh, yeah, sure. One second. It's uh. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get this. Sure. No, I mean, if if it is something you could take care of, is it something where you could go down there, kind of get some fingerprints, check out the the security cameras and all that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, five, six. Five, zero, three, four. But the, 
you know, I'm just trying it's to, the numbers. main thing, though, is I want to get to this laptop. Is there any chance you could hop in the squad car, you know, flick on the siren, come down here, and maybe, like, go undercover or something? Uh, what can you do? Can you do anything? No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not actually in, you know, I think that's, I don't have the authority. Let me, uh, let me call you then. There's no here. That sounds great. All right, thank you, sir. I gave him the wrong number. I don't want him having my number. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> gave him the wrong number. Yeah. You, they, why? Is it just because, I mean, is it... I mean, I think back to Nikki Haley and the Moscow 92-9 morning zoo crew. And why do they fall? Why, why do these, these maggots and right-wingers fall for this shit so easily? Well, never mind, but they do. And, uh, and, some, and, and we've said so often that it's all either confession or projection with these maggots. Um... Uh, it turns out that in an interview uh, with a with a British uh, outlet, marginal trailer queen um, said to, to uh, British journalist Katie Hopkins. Uh, last night, and this was a, this is January sixth. Last night and last night and into the early morning hours is probably one of the saddest days of my life, scariest and loneliest days of my life. On the third day of the job as a new member of Congress, I'm just having our capital tack being blamed on the president that I love, and I know it's not his fault. Then having it blamed on all the people that support him, 75 million people, 75-plus million people that have supported President Trump and have truly appreciated all his hard work and America First policies and everything, everything about uh, – Make America Great Again, it was extremely lonely in there, watching basically the certification of the Electoral College votes for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, even though we know the election was stolen and the Democrats were working so hard on it, but Republicans too, there were Republicans also. And so Katie Hopkins sort of drilled down on all of that stuff and said, well, it's almost as if you're, it's almost as if you're one of them. You're almost like one of those who could have been at the rally. At which point, Marginal Trailer Queen declared, I I am one of those people. That's exactly who I am. And then suddenly, you know, the synapse is caught up or something. Oh, oh, I'm not one of those people that attacked the captain yesterday. I I completely condemn that. I completely condemn attacking law enforcement. I support our police officers, and I thank them for their courage yesterday in keeping us safe. I know there were bad actors involved in investigations underway, and it's Antifa. And she's going to sail right back into Congress. And if she by herself is not enough reason to make you do everything in your power to do, well, yeah. You can't get her out of office, but you can make sure that she continues to not have any committee assignments. And not have, not have any platforms inside hearings in which to bray her idiocy. <sighs> Mm. 
Oh, well. Uh, Darlene in Connecticut uh, adding, Pip, pip. Liz Truss isn't a quitter, though. So much for trying to emulate Maggie Thatcher, the first and to this point only female prime minister. I think Britain also has a way to go with trusting women on ma- in major positions in power, the late queen notwithstanding, although she really didn't have, you know, real power. My guess is that Liz fucked up the advancement of women in the center seat for a while. The sexist pigs are gobbling up this slop. Tally-ho, pip-pip, and Bernard's your uncle. That's for the tally-hos, the pip-pips, and the Bernard's your uncle. Yeah. Well, truth. It may be, I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure the, the, uh, misogynist assholes in, 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 on Turf Island are absolutely having a field day. Oh, uh, I knew, uh, yes, of course, when there was a trust in the middle of And by the way, back to the Herschel Walker prank call. Um, the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution and the Daily Beast both confirmed that the call is real. Before they before they tried to run it, no, I, uh, no, I just made that up. And of course, he's still running around, flashing his badge. Well, that's true. Brother Deacon Asa noting, oh, come on, quit gooning on Tony Scaramucci. He is, after all, a front stabber and not a backstabber. Shanks is Shanks. Shanks for the memories, Scaramucci, yeah. But since we dealt with Marginal Trailer Queen, let's stay in Georgia for a minute. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, whom I mentioned a moment ago, got its hands on 59 pages of text messages from uh, the iPhone of Senator Kelly Loeffler. Used to be a, you know, she was she was that fill-in senator for a minute uh, in Georgia, Stan. Among other things, the uh, the, the Journal-Constitution found messages that were sent by Trisha Raffensperger to Kelly Loeffler. She sent the she sent the messages after Loeffler called for her hubby, the Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, to resign on November 9th, twenty twenty. And this one this this one stung. Never did I thank you with the kind of person to unleash such hate and fury on someone in political office of the same party. I love, I love the in the same party, of the same party part. You know, it would be okay to unleash uh, hate and fury on, you know, say a Democrat. But no, Trisha Raffensperger was pissed. Never did I thank you with the kind of person to unleash such hate and fury on someone in political office of the same party. I hold you personally responsible for anything that happens to any of my family, from my husband, children, and grandchildren. And uh, Kelly Loeffler did not respond. 
AJC doesn't know how the uh, 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 how how whoever got the text got them. They wrote the copies of the text exchanges were sent to the AJC anonymously, and it's not immediately clear how the messages were obtained. The AJC's efforts to identify who sent the text messages were unsuccessful. The AJC confirmed the veracity of the exchanges with four people who were participants in some of the conversations. Reporters contacted everyone identified in the exchanges cited in the stories. Several declined to comment. Others didn't return phone calls and text messages. And it all just had to do with the election. And, of course, Loeffler, who lost eventually did her maggot duty and announced that she would object to the Electoral College certification. Because prior to that, uh, Nitwit Nero, her god emperor, said that uh, he would abandon her campaign and, 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 and would not hold a last-minute rally in Georgia unless she did his bidding and objected to the certification. So she got her last-minute nitwit Nero rally and then lost. But she texted uh, a pair of maggot underlings, maggot minions, Taylor Brown and Stephen Lawson, and said, please make sure Trump retweets my statement so I don't get booed off the stage. It must be so humiliating to abase oneself that way. I mean, she's already a gazillionaire. But she needed, I guess, the power? That was the hunger, the prestige, or... Maybe the chance to grift up some more money, because even if they're a gazillionaire, remember, they always want more. It would be uh, pathetic if they weren't so gross. And, uh, oh, here's another maggot. The uh, site of the, or the 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 uh, scene of the story is Orting, O R T I N G, Washington, where the uh, director of a school board there is out of a job. Why? Well, Rick Slaughter, who was president of the board of directors of the Orting School Board. Got arrested yesterday. Um, He was arrested for his participation in the terrorist attack on the capital of the United States by right-wing domestic terrorists. Slaughter and his stepson, Caden Paul Gottfried, were charged earlier this month. He was charged with assaulting, resisting, or impeding law enforcement officers using a deadly or dangerous weapon, interfering with law enforcement officers during a civil disorder and other felony and misdemeanor offenses. 
And uh, when he decided to resign from the board, Ording School Board President Kerry Thibodeau uh, said, In my conversations with Rick, he expressed this decision was grounded in his love for his family. Yeah, because his love for his country was sort of out the window on January 6th when he was participating in a terrorist attack on the capital of the United States. Uh, but President Kerry Thibodeau continued and said, As a board, we remain committed to transparency and open communication lines between the district and local community. While we appreciate Rick's service to the district, we are also saddened by the hurt and frustration recent events have caused. This community, our school, staff, and students will continue to be at the heart of what we do while building your trust and confidence. In case anybody's wondering, Rick Slaughter ran for school board by declaring that he wanted an end. You, know, you, you, you can all, you, you can all, you can just fill in the blank. Hey, I don't even have to say it, do I? He wanted to end the mask mandates because our children can't breathe and look at each other and Jesus can't see them through their masks. I don't know if he was that bad, but no. Uh, but he also uh, wanted to get rid of critical race theory. And that disgusting sex education and forced pronoun changes. Like I said, didn't even have to say it out loud, did I? You already knew. What did he do? Well, according to the charging documents, uh, uh, this good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, homosexual, Christian, Republican, patriot, used his body weight to push against a line of officers, used a pole to attack officers, passed a chemical weapon to fellow rioters, rioters, terrorists, and was heard to be shouting at the police, you guys need to stand down, just walk away, nobody will fucking hurt any of you, this is America, this isn't fucking right, you fucking know it, this has never been the America I ever fucking known. Remember, He's against that disgusting sex education and forced pronoun changes. However, attacking, uh, participating in a terrorist attack on the capital of the United States and, well, using some choice language that probably would not be welcome in the Orting School District, that's another matter. And he was a back-the-blue guy when he ran for office. He said, we should defund the media, not the police. We need public servants who are working to offer safety for all citizens without fear and propaganda. What? Well, you know, they get on a roll. Now, those are felonies he's charged with. One hopes they stay felonies. One hopes he doesn't run into some uh, federal prosecutor in D.C. with a, a, a overcome by a spasm of compassion. No, oh, let's just plead these down. I mean, it's not that much difference. I mean, let's just plead him out as if he'd, like, knocked over a coin star. <sighs> mm-hmm. 
you know, the picture just keeps becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. These people who say they love America don't because they hate probably a vast majority of Americans. They hate you. They hate me. They hate anybody who, well, you know, but we go back to yesterday's program. At least he wasn't, you know, pleasuring Mr. Happy next to a preschool. That's the sliding scale of Republican decency these days. Yeah, sure, he, he he participated in a terrorist attack on the Capitol, but he didn't he didn't get caught, caught rubbing one out by a preschool. That's the Arizona Republican. Um. And then out of uh, out of Rolling Stone, thank you, Darlene in Connecticut since we were talking about Marginal Trailer Queen. Rolling Stone has the story. Leaked texts reveal Marjorie Taylor Greene's private push to overturn the 2020 election. Private, huh? Yeah, she was leaning, because we mentioned her a moment ago, too. Uh, Marginal Trailer Queen was leaning on Kelly Loeffler. And that goes back to the same tranche of messages that uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution got hold of. Marge emailed her or texted her and said, Hey, I need to talk with you about a plan we're developing on how to vote on the Electoral College votes on January 6th. I need a senator, and I think this is a major help for you to win on the 5th. Yeah. Meanwhile, however, Marginal Trailer Queen gave testimony, um, you know, under oath, saying that uh, if it, she was asked if it was fair to say that her opinion was that Congress should not certify Biden's win. She said, that's not accurate. However, here's the emails. Can we get a perjury charge? Anybody got a grand jury nearby? Uh, Rolling Stone notes that uh, Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America, shows up in the text tranche as well. He wanted Kelly Loeffler to sign on to a statement uh, that would commit her to objecting to the election and calling for an audit. And shows that on January 6th, Rafaelito was trying to hold the line... among his uh, maggot uh, co-treasonists. And uh, Rolling Stone notes another note from um, Brad Raffensparger's uh, spouse saying, you do not deserve to be in elected office. We've been besieged by people threatening our lives because you didn't have the decency or good manners to come and talk to my husband with any questions you may have had. Does any of this impact what happens on November the 8th? I don't know. kind of wish more people were paying attention or more people weren't so thoroughly committed to their confirmation bias. 
And by the way, uh, break, some breaking news. The Washington Post reporting that uh, uh, yet another court, this one a federal court of appeals, now says that precious Lindsey Graham, Lady G, actually is going to have to testify in the 2020 election investigation in front of that there grand jury. That was the ruling of the appeals court, so off it'll go now. To, uh, oh dear, our most pious, dread, sovereign, supreme Catholic majesties of the Supreme Court. Well, we know there will th- be three votes for making him testify. Need two more. Maybe old balls and strikes, Roberts. Maybe, possibly. I wouldn't be voting that way. But it would be nice if they'd actually do their damn jobs. Some thorn in the side Thursdays are thornier than others. And the trial continues of Oath Keeper leader Stuart Rhodes. You know, shoot your eye out, kid. Prosecutors are uh, sharing messages in that trial. And Stuart Rhodes was pissed. Because Stuart Rhodes considers considers himself to be quite the noble pleader. And he was desperate to see the Insurrection Act invoked. Um, He sent a message on December 20th, 2020. Either Trump gets off his ass and uses the Insurrection Act to defeat the Chi-Com puppet coup, or we will have to rise up in insurrection against the Chi-Com puppet Biden. Oh, I remember the old days before he went down to hell to spend eternity with the pineapples when Flush Flimball would rail. And this goes all the way back to the Clinton administration. My friends about the Chicoms. The Chicoms own the United States government. Or have me another handful of those pills. And so, uh, on December 29th, as they plotted the terrorist attack on the Capitol, Stuart Rhodes wrote again. Included in this uh, in this uh, list was the uh, his his lawyer, with whom he was doing some naked consultation. They don't give a shit how many show up and wave a sign and pray or yell. They won't fear us until we come with rifles in hand. Only reason to go is so Trump knows we support him in taking red gloves off and kicking ass. And now he's squealing like the little bitch he is in federal court. Try to use, you know, dodges. saying that uh, uh, even though he was talking like a badass, uh, uh, mostly the Oath Keepers were in Washington, D.C. to be 
Security details for VIPs at the pro-Trump rally. Their firearms were legally stowed at a hotel in Arlington, Virginia, and were intended to be deployed only if street violence escalated or Trump invoked the insur- or Trump invoked the insurrection insurrection act. It's only one problem: the Oath Keepers didn't have jurisdiction to act with so much as a goddamn slingshot, even if he had invoked the insurrection act. Oh, please, 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 jury. Convict him, and Mr. Judge, please put him away for a long time. A long, long time. As long a time as you possibly can. So, uh, that... We had a brief conversation uh, I, I did uh, with Lady B last night about the concept of woke. I noted that the opposite of woke is comatose, and who wants to be that? But, well, the maggots do. That's who. So, and this will, be, this will not be lost on uh, Dave and the Blind. A school board in Talabandiana... Uh, the, uh, the candidate for the school board there in Zionsville, a dude named Dr. Matt Kiefer, doctor, well, as usual, is always the case, and he's barked and grunted and hooted and, 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 and bounced around on his knuckles about critical race theory and wokeness. There ain't no room in our schools for critical race theory. And they're being woke. It's based on rewriting history and the idea of presentism. Presentism is judging people from history with the standards of today. And then somebody asked him a question. And because maggot, he took the bait. Somebody said, so would teaching students all Nazis are bad be considered indoctrination? There's not a follow-up that says asking for a confused Nazi or anything. That's either somebody trolling him and knowing what kind of an answer they're going to get, or else it's somebody who objects to teaching that all Nazis are bad. Hey, you know what? All Nazis are bad. And that's not presentism. It was pretty well understood in, say, 1939 that all Nazis were bad. Earlier in the 30s, for that matter. But Dr. Matt Kiefer, who probably couldn't put a Band-Aid on without killing someone, said, All Nazis weren't bad, as you specified. They did horrible things. They were in a group frenzy. In both cases, you cite, S-I-T-E, Dr., Who is to say if we were both there in the same place and time that we wouldn't have done the same thing? There aren't many Jewish people in Zionsville, but one of them is uh, Marina Nazarov. She said, uh, 
It's very difficult for us every time we hear that word. It's very difficult for us to deal with because it brings a lot of painful memories for our family and generations. Hillary Heffernan, uh, by the way, in the report from WTHR, said, uh, anybody who says that Nazis were not all bad and historically was represented as one of the worst atrocities of all time, I, I couldn't fathom. And calling out the hypocrisy, Michael Bergen, incumbent on that school board. And look, this is, this is one of the fronts where the fight for the soul of America is being waged. The right wing has deliberately targeted school boards because, among other things, they know that a hell of a lot of people don't pay attention to it. And they've got a chance to overwhelm matters just because no one's paying attention. So Michael Berg, incumbent, said, you know, Kiefer has not been shy about making sweeping generalizations about many groups of people whom he disagrees with, yet he seeks a nuanced discussion of the actions of Nazis. And continued, perhaps more concerning to me is his apparent desire to co-opt the suffering of Holocaust victims in an effort to claim a similar type of victimhood for himself over disagreements with COVID-19 mitigation strategies. Yeah, because he's a COVID-idiot too. How many times do we have to say it? If they come out and say something racist, you don't have to wait long. They'll come out and say something homophobic, and then they'll prove themselves to be a COVID-idiot. They're not nuanced. They're equal opportunity haters. Berg continued, I'm concerned that Dr. Kiefer and candidates like him are running for school board seats with motivations that are driven by their political beliefs. The ultimate responsibility of a school board member, and my reason for running, is to ensure that all students have access to a high-quality public education. He's probably woke. What do you want to bet? Dr. Kiefer has a better than average chance of winning. It is, after all, Taliban-Diana. Mentioned... uh, Lady G, earlier. Well, he shows up in a uh, memoir that's coming out next week by um, Metropolitan Police Department Officer Michael Fanone from D.C. He has especially harsh words for Lady G and uh, uh, that man with the spine of Jello, Kevin McCarthy. And he also says he got sold out by his own uh, his own union. The book is called Hold the Line, The Insurrection and One Cop's Battle for America's Soul. He says some of his own fellow officers turned on him for telling the truth. And then goes on uh, to talk about how 
the maggots have tormented him in the days since. They've shown up at his house in the homes of his mom, dad, and ex-wife. They've made the one-time Donald Trump voter and self-described redneck cop afraid of what might happen to him in the isolated rural hunting redoubt that used to be his safe place away from the life of an urban vice officer. A lot to unpack there, isn't there? And maybe I, I, don't, I don't intend it as cruel. But I think it's, we do get to ask, have you learned your lesson? Do you ever plan on voting for a Republican again so long as you live? Because if the answer is, I might vote for a Republican again someday, then no, you haven't learned. There's a passage in the book, um, as detailed by Michael Schaefer at Politico, and he describes it as being in cringy detail. The author made surreptitious recordings of his interactions with the likes of House... Uh Uh-oh, there's... Oh, there's recordings. Oh. Interactions with the likes of House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy and National Fraternal Order of Police President Patrick Yose and leaders of Fanon's own local, among others. Thus, we see McCarthy finally taking a meeting with Fanon, fellow January 6th hero Harry Dunn, and the mother of late Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, Lamely try to run out the clock on their conversation. We see Graham snap at Gladys Sicknick that we're going to end the meeting right now if she keeps saying bad things about the orange god emperor. And we see Yoz telling Fanon that he's waiting for direction from the local lodge about January 6th. And then the leader of that lodge tells Fanon that I'm hesitant to start putting out information one way or another about January 6th because of political divisions among membership. Fanon speaking with uh, Schaefer at Politico said in reality what it is is Trumpism and it's a loyalty to Donald Trump because he says things like we love our law enforcement officers and you know that's a lot of police officers at the Metropolitan Police Department and other law enforcement agencies that participated in the defense of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th that still do not accept the reality of what January the 6th was. Giving greater weight to the fact that we know, remember the FBI memo from a few few programs back? Where the upper-level FBI executive pointed out that the, 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 the department, the bureau, was filthy with pro-insurrection maggot FBI agents and officers. One of these days, if we ever do get this shit sorted out, you know, it'd be nice if somebody would say, gee, that little internet radio show over there sure got a lot of shit right. Wouldn't it? But of course, the multimedia, multimillionaire for-profit media never does things like that. But we have, and we continue to. And the problem is deeper and broader than we know.
on a little something something coming out of the uh, Ukraine war. Putin's war on the innocent people of Ukraine. There are a lot of voices that have been added to the support of Ukraine. Here's one nobody really needed. Even if the message is true, nobody needed to hear it. An individual has come out and said that he stands in solidarity with the Ukrainian people. Specifically, our hearts go out to the Ukrainian people who are defending their sovereignty and went on to uh, make pointed remarks at the uh, the Iranian regime, which is providing those so-called kamikaze drones to Putin. We accuse the Islamic regime of not only having completely destroyed our freedom, now it is also cooperating with those who are putting at risk another nation's sovereignty. The guy saying that is Reza Pahlavi, son of the last occupant of the peacock throne, the Shah. And he went on and said, the question isn't what the Iranian regime is doing. The question is how will the world react and whether it will take clear action to condemn the regime's actions through sanctions with painful consequences. He says he wants a secular democracy in Iran and doesn't necessarily want to claw his way back up onto the peacock throne. You get it? But the son of a tyrant who tortured and tormented God knows how many Iranian... You know, the whole reason the Iranian revolution took place was because of dude's daddy's policies. And dude's daddy hopped back up on the peacock throne after... Come on, we know our history, right? After the coup... The the the, uh, the 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 young and toddling CIA orchestrated against Mohammad Mossadegh because they had a secular democracy. But Winnie Churchill didn't want it. The wogs were sitting on our oil. Because for whatever good he did in the Second World War, Winston Churchill was a stone cold, bigot, and racist. And there's no way around it. You know, that, 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 I guess that's why uh, Nitwit Nero loved having a bust of him in the Oval Office as well as a portrait of that old genocidal maniac, Andrew Jackson. But sometimes messages are better delivered by better messengers. So, yeah. Bad. Uh, yes, yes, Flavio. We had the story of um, Randy Kaufman last night for Prayer Meeting Wednesday. 
So we are at the top of the hour. We've that, That's the filler obster. And there's more to come, of course. But if you'd like to engage in, con- in some conversation, I would certainly welcome it. Because we find out more when we converse rather than when I uh, fill a robster. And what with this being... Uh, what with this being Thursday, we have the Green News Report. So let's uh, check in with Brad and Desi, shall we? By the way, $25 ch- matching challenge on the table. The For the Heck of It Challenge by Ralphs. Thank you, Ralphs. Uh, if anybody wants to respond. Here we go. It's Thursday, October 20, 2022. Drawdowns on the reserves so far have played a big role in bringing down oil prices. We're going to continue to responsibly use that national asset. President Biden orders release of more oil from nation's strategic petroleum reserve. Today we begin to right the wrongs inflicted on our residents by companies who deliberately chose profits over our global environment. New Jersey becomes latest state to sue big oil over climate science lies. Plus, the decisions we make now are going to determine the future of our nation and the future of your generation for the next 30 or more years. Midterm elections will determine the course of climate action for decades. All of those decisions and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It's the final batch of 180 million barrels from the nation's stockpile that the president last spring pledged to release over six months. Today, saying the reserve is still more than half full, but Republicans say the reserve is half empty. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I'm sure your news is both half empty and half full. (laughs) What do you have for us today? Well, first up, in Nigeria, unusually intense seasonal rains have triggered the worst flooding in years, damaging homes, infrastructure, and vast swaths of farmland. The intense flooding has killed more than 600 people and displaced more than a million, aggravating food and fuel shortages in Africa's most populous nation. Extreme rainfall is directly linked to man-made global warming. Here in the U.S., in Florida, inland flooding is still receding weeks after Hurricane Ian. Officials now warn of a surge in infections of flesh-eating bacteria. The bacteria thrive in warm, brackish waters and can be deadly. Twenty-nine people have been infected in hard-hit counties so far. Four have died. It's just getting better and better down there, isn't it? In other news, a new study finds that PFAS chemicals, a class of chemicals widely used in household and industrial products that are linked to kidney and liver disease and cancer, are likely polluting most U.S. waterways. The study found detectable levels of PFAS chemicals in 83% of waterways tested in the United States. The Biden EPA has begun the process of regulating PFAS chemicals. Aren't those the same PFAS chemicals that are also found in everyone's bloodstream at this point? Yes. Not good. President Biden on Wednesday announced the release of an additional 15 million barrels of oil from the nation's strategic petroleum reserve to lower rising gas prices that are driving inflation. Although gas prices have been falling and domestic oil production is returning to pre-pandemic levels, Saudi Arabia's OPEC plus oil cartel recently voted to cut production to raise global oil prices, helping Russia to fund its 
brutal war on Ukraine. The Saudis' move is widely seen as a ploy to boost Republicans' chances in the November 8 midterm elections. If Republicans win control of Congress, they will slow down America's shift away from gas and oil. The midterms are hugely consequential for the future of climate policy and clean energy. While Democrats have passed the most significant climate legislation in U.S. history through the Inflation Reduction Act and last year's bipartisan infrastructure bill, Republicans at both the state and federal levels have vowed to dismantle climate policies, handcuff agencies, expand oil and gas drilling, and weaken pollution standards. Politico reports that state governors' races are critical for climate particularly in swing states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Arizona, where Democrats face Trump-endorsed Republican climate science deniers. It matters because state officials will control a significant chunk of infrastructure funding from the Democrats' landmark climate law, deciding how and where and if to deploy it. Are they allowed to use it to drill for more oil? They might just find a way to do that. I bet they will. But some good news. The Biden administration announced it will hold the first ever offshore wind lease sale for energy projects off the coast of California. Finally, some accountability news. The state of New Jersey this week became the latest to announce a lawsuit against five oil majors, including Exxon and BP and the American Petroleum Institute, for deceiving consumers about climate change in violation of state law. Multiple investigations have proven that the companies knew since the 1950s that burning their product would cause catastrophic climate change, and the companies chose to spend millions on a decades-long massive disinformation campaign to sow doubt about climate science. New Jersey Attorney General Matthew Platkin cited the rising costs of climate disasters and infrastructure damages, saying the oil industry, not taxpayers, should pay. It's long overdue that these betrayals of their customers and of the public come to an end, and that the perpetrators of these lies pay for their conduct, and that the people of New Jersey receive restitution for all that they have lost. Go New Jersey. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I've been a lot of places, seen pictures of the rest. But of all the places I, I can't think of, I like Jersey best. Shopping malls, good old Rutgers U. 47 shoe stores, line Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to soundproof the studio. Sometimes it gets, a, you know, we get youngins and sometimes it gets a little loud in there. Uh, anyway, um, it is Thorn in the Side Thursday. We're into the second hour of the program. Uh, jump in if you'd like. If you've got something that you would like to discuss, uh, I've got more stuff. Oh, I got hours and hours worth of stuff. Uh, how about a quick, uh, quick update on the uh, racist Los Angeles City Council members? Uh, you know, uh, the City Council President resigned as city council president, and then just outright resigned her seat. It was the right thing to do because she got stone-cold busted being a stone-cold racist. But uh, there's one member who's desperately trying to hang on. His name's Kevin DeLeon. 
and he's saying, hell no, he won't go. Instead saying, like, I'm so sorry to the city of L.A. for not stepping up and being the leader that they expect me to be. I'm sorry to my constituents. I'm sorry to my colleagues. I'm sorry to the family of Mike Bonin, to my family, to all those who have supported me. Yeah, the, the not stepping up and being the leader. This is the dude who said that the his fellow member of the city council carried his child around like a handbag. The city council president is the one who referred to the child as a little monkey. And protests have continued daily uh, at City Hall, at homes and offices. uh, And people keep calling for him to Get the hell out of office, which he should. The president of the United States has called for him to step down. Uh, The mayor of Los Angeles has called for him to step down. Uh, Two other people involved in this whole sickening transaction have stepped down, including the head of the uh, Los Angeles Uh, Labor Council. But Kevin DeLeon, who didn't just sit idly by while the racism flowed, but participated in it, um, said, I have to do the really damn hard work to repair and to restore the breach of trust that I've lost with so many folks. We'll do it somewhere else, but You've lost the trust of very, I hope, a majority of the city of Los Angeles. De Leon said he called to apologize directly to Mike Bonin, but it went to voicemail. Would you really want to carry on a conversation? With somebody who said that kind of odious filth about your child? I don't think so. And at some point in time, one hopes he will, he will resign. But no, no telling. Oh, and checking around, uh, oh, uh, here's, remember the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, sort of the brainchild of Elizabeth Warren? Well, the Fifth United States Circuit Court of Appeals has just declared it to be entirely unconstitutional. The Fifth Circuit sits, I believe, in New Orleans, if I'm not incorrect. Um... And so uh, Community Financial Services versus CFPB uh, a three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit they're all maggot judges by the way Um, 
says that the, uh, the, the Bureau has no, no constitutional right to fight financial fraud. And the ability to pursue unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts or practices by predatory consumer finance industry members. So it's kind of complicated, but the bottom line is that uh, they say that the CFPB is unconstitutional because its funding passes through the Federal Reserve before it lands on the CFPB and it's not part of the um, appropriations process. This is weird, but it's the kind of gobbledygook that our most puissant dread sovereign supreme catholic majesties kind of love because it lets them do their whole judicial vandalism thing and pretend that it's intelligent you know kind of like originalism you know uh let's run over to the uh, stress line see who's on the line hey welcome to the program Robin, how much you that that doctor is, teaches at the local Bible college. Uh, I you want you mean the one in Talabandiana, Kiefer? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In Zionsville, man, you gotta understand something, Robin. Yeah, I got nothing. I, yeah, yeah. Help me with the geography okay. here. Okay, it's outside of Indianapolis, but not far enough. Um, not far enough. It, Hold on. Please continue. And I just got started, damn. Uh, uh, like I say, it's not far enough. It's uh, pretty close to, to Indianapolis. But in, 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 in Taliban, Indiana, a lot of place names are, have religious connections. And other places are named for towns in Europe, like we have a Bern, Indiana, that was settled by Swiss settlers. And, uh, of course, we we have a, a town that is uh, spelled like Edinburgh in Scotland, but in Taliban, Indiana, being Taliban idiots, they, were, they uh, pronounce it Edinburgh. So you're you're not dealing with a lot of intellectual, stunning individuals. Um, And yes, that means I'm calling them dumb. Sometimes it's Uh, just part of the process. I I can't help that I was born here. I can't really help that I live here. But as you know, you uh, know your fellow Hoosiers. Yes, yes, ma'am, I do. I absolutely do. And that is why uh, I, I sit here in the blind observing all this bullshit and going, oh, my God. Um, 
The uh, now, now, when you're sitting there and you're blind and you want to call a few maggots in, do you have a maggot call? Like maybe one that goes, CRT, CRT, CRT. Or, woke, no, no, woke, no, but woke. no, 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 but if, if, I, if, I, if I want to call in the, the really, truly disgusting maggots, I mean, the really big ones, you know, the fishing hook size ones, I, I just go up on. Oh, that's even better. It's a two. It's a multi cowbell night for you, Dave. Oh, I know. Wow. (laughs) Not my usual. I'm I'm stunned. But uh, no, that's what you're dealing with. I mean. These are the these are the same people who used to have the uh, back in the twenties had a, uh, a, a a a grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan as the speaker of the General Assembly. Um, you know, and and things have not really changed all that much in that time. The only good thing is that when Stevenson got convicted. The Klan was pretty much screwed. It went from four million people to four hundred thousand, and that destroyed them. I, I, I give this example as a thing of y'all. They're still doing it, and they've never stopped the insurrection. They're keeping on with it. Get out and vote. You know, I think that's an important point that you just made, Dave. The insurrection is not something that started that started like in November of 2020 and ended on January 6th. It is an ongoing criminal enterprise. All of these people advancing the big lies, the God knows how many candidates there are on the ballot all over the country. Again, parroting the big lie. They are all participants in an ongoing effort to overturn constitutional governance in the United States of America. And you just nailed it. I'm I'm wondering, with all the connections between the Oath Keepers and various Trump front organizations, if DOJ couldn't also be looking at a RICO case. Against some of these people, it it, it, it seems it seems appropriate, but uh oh, I always hate it when you do. But I I, I just mm, I'm guessing no. It, it might be a bridge too far. Yeah, might not. It might not fit within. It, it might not fit within the language of the RICO statute itself. That's possible. But I'm thinking there's got to be something in the federal statute uh, that would not only get these guys criminally, but hit them where it really hurts, the funding. Um, You know, You know, I, I found it rather disgusting that Elmer had his little 
sixty-time tech and all that, and I'm like, oh God. There's one lawyer that decided to give up her law license rather quickly. Um, I don't know. It just there's not. I, I'm afraid there's not going to be anything done to these people because oh, it's just too political, or uh, we haven't found enough, and there's plenty. Um. Spines are not something I'm seeing a lot of. Um, People are praising Liz Cheney, but they decide to stay on the uh, committee, primarily, I assume, so that uh, they could give McCarthy some cover and he's ended up screwing that up. Um, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Dick and Address. She's just as evil and maggoty as her daddy. Well, I, I think we, so, have, we have to be we have to be careful around her. I'm not saying she's stupid. No, I mean she, the, th- the thing is the thing is the thing is though she is being lionized for a rather simple act of just doing her duty and honoring her constitution. The bottom line is that is that in, in the entire in the entire United States House of Representatives there were only two Republicans who were willing to honor their oath, and that was Kinzinger and. Liz Cheney, right? But neither, no, but neither, neither of them have stopped having the toxic policies that they enge- that they 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 endorsed and embraced when they were voting with Nitwit Nero for over the course of four years for at, at like plus ninety five percent of the time. I, I, I have no. Uh... No trust in the government of the state of Indiana. Absolutely none. These guys would sell out their own mothers just to get a cup of coffee with Donald Trump. And most of them probably have offered up various family members as well. But, uh, no. This this state government is so full of maggots. I mean, there was a time when you had decent people on the Republican side in Indiana. I'm thinking people like uh, Doc Bowen and people like that. That's an entirely different generation. Um, Otis Bowen, I believe, was a pediatrician by training and he was a decent man I wish there were more Republicans in Indiana like him because then you could actually get some things done and it wouldn't be about who gets credit it would be what's right for Indiana 
uh, I blame old 666 himself for poisoning the situation to a point where it's become an article of faith. Donald Trump didn't invent the conservative bowel movement. No, he, 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 uh, he weaponized it and he strengthened it. And he did it. He did it with pe- the people who did some of the original Dr. Frankenstein work. You know, people like Manafort and Roger Stone. I'll never, I'll never forget that scene uh, in that Netflix documentary. I think uh, or ran on Netflix. Uh, Get me Roger Stone. That shows part of it. That shows old six 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 himself, Ronald Wilson Reagan, standing in front of a banner in the eighties that says, make America great again. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't, for an instant think that Nitwit, that Nitwit Nero came up with that. No. That's, that sounds, that sounds like Roger Stone garbage. He, he can barely, Trump can barely uh, tie his own shoelaces. Uh, he's a mouthpiece. I would wager he's got people. They're going. Okay, you're still the president, so here's what you need to say, and then he'll just go out and say it. Uh, I'm glad he signed an attestation to the court that was provably false, because well, that just adds to his troubles. And I still, while I, I appreciate Lady B, uh, they would just put money on his books. I'm sure they that if he had his Secret Service detail there, they'd flip him something that you couldn't get off the being off the books privilege or something, just because well he's their protectee, and it'd probably be an easy uh, easy paycheck. I mean. What he thought his eye was already in prison cell? You know, how difficult can that be? Because you know they're not going to give him a cellmate. They'd be afraid somebody'd kill him. Maybe he needs a nice solitary bunk in Supermax. Or open up a family wing. You know, <laughs> they could put there. <laughs> They could put Jared. They could they could separate Jared and Iwanka. Can't you know put women in the same facility? So they'd have to have two wings: one for one of the federal prison women, and one so you'd have. Oh, this would be wonderful. Put Iwanka uh, in with her stepmom. Yeah, now that'd be. I'd say make them cellmates. Uh, you give them five or six years and see uh, who comes out alive. You know, but uh, <laughs> my, my my money's on, on this is not on the daughter because you know she gets up in the middle of the night and she gets hungry and all of a sudden a wife has got these two little bite marks on the neck that you know. Renfield. Uh, you know, I, I honestly think that they 
they, they should begin pushing for I mean, I'm not expecting anything to be announced until after the midterms, but even if, even if, and God forbid, they take both the House and the Senate, they ain't got the White House. And I don't care how much uh, Marjorie Taylor Greenpeace bitches and moans, uh, she's not gonna, she might impeach Biden, but it's going to be an impeachment with an asterisk. Because and, and I know, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of using my rational mind here. By the way, you just got a cowbell. Uh, that's courtesy of Billable Rick for uh, maybe they need to open a family wing. In the <laughs> yeah, that was that was deserved. Good, good, good call, Billable. Well, uh, but you know, I, I, I continue to use my rational mind to try to solve irrational problems because the first thing that comes to mind when I hear, "Oh, marginal trailer queen's gonna." Gonna impeach Joe Biden is for what? I mean, are they re- are they really so far gone? Are they really so unutterably stupid that they didn't that they they'd impeach him for gas prices? I have a one word answer or is this, for or, that. Or is this going to be Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden? Is it going to be that? It's going to be both because, yes, they are that stupid. And they're good at, at the bread and circuses aspect of politics without the bread, of course, because, you know, their voters can starve as far as they can turn as long as they get just enough to vote for them. I mean, remember, what was it? The average person's paycheck when they did all that tax cutting came up to like a dollar seventy four a week for the average uh, paycheck earner. Oh no, that's enough to sell your soul for there, Robin. Oh, and speaking of which, uh, we have an answer to the question. Matt in San Francisco said, "My money's on melanoma. That Russian spy training yeah. will that Russian spy training will serve her well in the stir." Well, and it's not like she'd be afraid of getting naked in front of others because, well, she's already proven that she can do that without a problem. So I, I think she'd have an enjoyable time. What? You mean I don't have to deal with problems for five years? I plead guilty, Your Honor. I will gladly drop trial for a pack of cigarettes. Oh, I think she'd plead guilty just to get away from Donald for a few years, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, she's already done, like, you know, softcore lesbian porn, so, you know. Yeah. Well, little orange, little orange is the new old. little orange is the new black action, you know. Hey, they could have, like, a, a special edition, <laughs> a, a, a Trump family edition. I mean, you could get. I was gonna. I was gonna say you also got a, a note from Lady B. Can't trust Liz Cheney. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for pointing out the truth. The media just loves to find an excuse to give Republicans credit for doing what they're fucking supposed to do. It's getting to the point where if a Boy Scout were to walk Liz Cheney across the street, the media would thank her for helping that sweet young man cross the street. 
Well, there's a cowbell for Lady B. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're just cowbells. Yeah, just cowbells all up in this place this evening. Well, there are more bells in this broadcast than in the 1812 Overture. Ah! <laughs> That's another one. But, uh, and I, I I heard from my brother last night. Um, Dad's doing better. He's back at home. Good. He's able to put weight on his leg. And uh, I mentioned the fact I I, I saw on a uh, documentary about uh, old six 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 himself. Uh, Dad, Bob and I were talking about. World War II war films and how they were used in propaganda. I said, yeah, you might have heard of a B-movie actor uh, who did a lot of that work in World War II, a guy named Ronald Reagan. And he piped up, oh, yeah. I said, do you know who his commanding officer was who signed his discharge papers? And it was Clark Gable. How about that? They worked in they worked in the same film unit. Yeah, that's what that's what I heard. Now I'm not sure that that's true, but I know John Ford. We were talking about combat photographers. John Ford uh, purposely went back and recreated some of those scenes because it was too dangerous for some of his film crews to go up with up in the first wave. So, um, but there were, and, and the Germans did the same thing. I saw a thing on YouTube that showed uh, D-Day film from, uh, combat film from the German perspective and how they used it. And it was the same kind of thing, you know. Oh, we're going to push them back into the sea. They they showed pictures of Allied prisoners, but they also showed just enough of the problems that, that their forces were having. To and it basically was don't don't complain so much. Our, our boys are suffering on the front line, kind of thing. And it's. Propaganda is propaganda. You're always trying to sell your uh, your uh, point of view. One of my uh, one of my professors at IU, one of my history professors, referred to the History Channel as the Nazi propaganda channel because they use so much. Of the German footage. Yeah. Oh no! It, it, it was the, it, in, early, in the early days. The, the History Channel was the, the the Hitler Channel. It was all Hitler all the time. Oh yeah! You could point. You could tune in. Uh, they'd have a documentary on Triumph of the Wills and things like that. Um, and yeah, that. They, you know, and you notice a lot, they had a lot of conspiracy theory shows on too, ancient aliens and all that. 
this is all part of a set piece, though, folks. If you can believe that aliens built the pyramid, then you can be convinced of anything. I happen to point out to my little brother that, uh, you know, uh, the new company's working for us thinking of maybe sending him to Poland for some training. I said, I'd be a little worried about going to Poland. I said, it's not that far. If you walk in the wrong direction, you can end up in a war. However, if the Russians do capture you, try to stay quiet about you being a former uh, mechanized infantry officer in the United States Army, or they'll try to make you a general. Well, you know, speaking uh, speaking speaking of the Russian military for just a second, or they'll try to make you a general. That, but wow, that's another one. You're 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 good this evening. Uh, no, I'm just, uh, I've got a story here, and it's. Uh, you know, well, of course, um, in a, a briefing today, the uh, the White House said uh, via its National Security Council spokesman, John Kirby, Iran has sent a relatively small number of its personnel to, wait for it, Crimea. And uh, they were there to help the Russian forces use the drones that Iran is sending. Kirby said, the information we have is that the Iranians have put trainers and tech support in Crimea, but it's the Russians who are doing the piloting. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't take much. Here, let me show you how this is done. And then they actually pilot a few of those into a target. Well, then, before you know it, um, you're a, you're a, you're a participant in the conflict. Well, the, pro- the problem was, as, as best they can figure out, the problem was the Iranians were sending the drones, but Putin's fucked up little uh, the army of hard cases, dead enders, ne'er do wells, and mercenaries um, couldn't make them work. And so the Iranians decided, this is a quote, so the Iranians decided to move in some trainers and some technical support uh, to help uh, to use them with better lethality. Because they couldn't do work them very good. You know, I begin to wonder about the Russian educational system. Well, I'm sure it. I'm sure it doesn't include include a whole lot of how to read Farsi. No, but uh, I, I think maybe the educational system may have split since the old Soviet days. My friend Jerry uh, married a Russian doctor who back when she she started medical school when she was 17. She now practices in, in California. And she's an OBGYN. And a lot of people don't re- remember this, but the Soviet Union had more women as doctors than pretty much any other country in the world. 
the, the percentage number of women that were practicing medicine was pretty high. And Jerry's wife, Olga, has, uh, I think the last time I talked to him, which is about a year ago, she had delivered at least 3,000 children in her career. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, some of those kids are probably fighting in uh, in Ukraine now. Truth. You know, uh, Brother Deacon Asa pointed out, Pooty's idiot army probably smashed a couple of those drones into that Kerch Strait bridge. It may not have been the Ukraine, Ukrainian army after all. It may have been. I like that line, though, Brother Deacon. Pooty's idiot army. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he was being facetious, but there's something believable about that. We should just start referring to it as the PIA. <laughs> Poot- yes, yes, Pooty's idiot army. And considering he, you know, he is retired KGB, maybe we should remind him that he's giving away a lot of intelligence. <laughs> Well, I mean, with the, with technology like that, pictograms can only go so far. If you think about, you know, the buttons in, say, Idiocracy. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for the moment when uh, his buddies go, uh, Vladimir. We need to take you back home to the dacha. Yeah, you know. They take him down into the basement. Why are we in the basement? Oh shit! Yeah, I was going to say, we're, and, and and suddenly we're in that scene from uh, uh, what was it, Casino? Citizen X. No, so, where, no, where where Joe where Joe Pesci thinks he's about to be made, and he walks into an empty room and goes, "Oh no!" Bang. Right, exactly. But in there, in there's a. Uh, there, there's a film out there called Citizen X. Uh, Donald Sutherland's in it. And Max and Fidel. And uh, a couple of others. And the story is about how the Russian cops caught Andrei Chikatilo, who was a serial killer. And... Uh, at the end, or, or near the end, they, they take Chicatello down into a basement where there's a cell, and all you see is a white tiled floor with a drain in the middle, and the guard is telling him, don't turn around, while he puts the pistol to the guy's head. And put, right. I mean, that's, how, that's how they did it. There's a, there's a chilling scene right. in The Americans that involves something similar. And that was the way the Soviets handled very quietly um, some executions. They had purposely built private cells that they would march the prisoner into and then put two behind the ear and then let them drain out. Well, that's rough. That 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 is that's rough on the dinner hour in the central daylight time zone. You're in that time zone. Well, so. well I, I'm used to ruining time zone, but usually it's by saying something truly disgusting. <laughs> well, I did it again. 
<laughs> oh, I apologize. Now, for those of you who had the, the over hunger on cowbells, dinners uh, ruined, uh, consult your local bookie. <laughs> yeah, when he's not busy taking bets on uh, whether or not Pootie lights a, that puts the balloon up. Right. Uh, you know, Pootie's been yelling and screaming that he's going to throw nukes for years. If you don't do this, I'm going to throw nukes. He's not going to throw nukes. Because at that point, the rest of the world's going to look over at him and go, yet. And that will be the end of the Putin regime. From your from your I lips mean, to God's ear. Well, he hasn't been listening that much lately. Uh, so I'm not. Well, how is and and how, uh, you mentioned your dad? How's Christine doing? Christine's doing well. She's a little irritated with the VA as usual. But um, I thought that was just any she, day that ends in Y. Yes, it is. It is. But uh, she uh, she has a, a shower chair in her her uh, bathtub, and she was taking a shower, and she was cleaning herself, and she had to sit down, and she sat down, and it went backwards the other day. Oh no. And, and I, I said, well, are you okay? Because, you know, she's on blood thinners. And she goes, oh, yeah. She said it was just a little disconcerting. Uh, she's not used to falling over like that in, in, in the tub. Now, that happens to me all the time. So um, the, the one thing you don't want is to get stunned and have your mouth in the water. Um, but she's fine. Um, she uh, she's trying to get some to find a uh, an equipment provider that she can get a, a a tape recorder so she can tape messages off the phone, or if somebody wants to give her a phone number, she can record it, and then. Uh, they gave her one, but it's not working, and she's trying to get the VA to get her another one, and they haven't put in the order yet. And she's like, listen, damn it, you guys are the ones that put me in this situation. You're going to get the equipment. And they're, they're telling her, oh, just accept things after telling her, advocate for yourself. And I heard a uh, discussion on a, a program called Off Kilter with some disability advocates. And I, I have to say that the guy who was talking was talking about how he has a problem with people expecting him to be humorous and, 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 and jolly and accepting and, you know, being a, a, a kind of like being a, a sterling example for able-bodied people, and that doesn't fit. 
And I heard Darlene talking uh, a few nights ago about this kind of thing. And I was like, you know, they're right. And I told Christine about this. And I said, you keep flying in their face. I said, she goes, yeah, I'm already considered trouble with the VA. I said, well, good for you because you're the one that's going to get something done. An organization like the VA doesn't move without getting a little, a little uh, prodding now and then. And unfortunately, when she went to our congressman, the congressman's office said, well, there's not much we can do about it. I bet you if Christine got 20 of her fellow disabled veterans in Indianapolis together, uh, I think Andre Carson's office would find a way to do something about it. Because really, when you're dealing with Congress critters of, of any stripe, the more people you can bring to your case, the, the better the chance of getting a reaction. Because they're operating on the rule of 20, that each dissatisfied voter will influence 20 other voters. It's, it's a basic marketing analysis. If you have one dissatisfied customer, they can influence 20 others to leave. So, yeah, when you get to 20 or 25 people, that's when your local Congress creator will take notice. Now, in cases where you have hard cases in the Senate, I won't mention any names, but King Joe comes to mind. And well, yeah. You need a few hundred. Um, and you need to threaten something they love, you know, like being disinvited to the bean dinners or, or, or what have you. Bean dinners! Oh, no! You know of which you speak. Well, it's the same here in Taliban, Indiana. Uh, my dad was an active member of the Republican Party back in the back in the early seventies, and I don't know how many of those goddamn bean dinners we and pancake breakfasts we went to. Oh my God, Robin! Lord, yes, bean dinners I mean, and and, ar- and ar- around here in the spring, ramp dinners. Oh really? Oh really? Well, here it's. No, it's it, the it's, pancake, uh, pancake breakfast, bean dinners, spaghetti dinners are big, but in the spring, ramp dinners. And, 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 and dur- during Lent, just to make sure you cover the Catholics, you've got to have your politicians show up at the local parish fish fry on Friday night. So, yeah, th- there's a whole plethora of dinners that a politician is expected to, to go to. <laughs> but um, I will say, normally, Carson's office is pretty responsive, but they they, uh, they just, well, there's nothing we can do to help. Um, yeah. 
you hear Republicans bitching about Social Security and disability payments for those that won't work. Well, I got news for you, idiots. If you wouldn't be such glad-handing little, oh, aren't you just a, a uh, an inspiration? You know, fuck being an inspiration, fella. Give me a job. Jesus. You know, give me some job training. Don't make it so that I have to beg, borrow, and steal to, to make ends meet. I mean, I'm more fortunate than some in that I get about $1,200 a month. But that doesn't go anywhere, Robin. By the end of the month, even after I I indulge myself a little bit, I've only got two or $300 at the end of the month if I'm watching my pennies real careful. You know? Yeah. It's, it, is, and, it, is, it, is, it is hard work not being pecunious. It's exhausting. Yeah, Give yourself a Latin cowbell. I, I, under, I actually understand that term. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the the thing is, there are programs out there that most people don't know about, like the Ticket to Work program, that will give you an extra SSI check if you're wanting to get job training. But they don't actively promote it. Social Security doesn't actively promote it. And unless you know about it, you don't get it. I wouldn't have known about the Adult Disabled Child Award unless Dad found out when he went to retire. And they told him, oh, yeah, your son may qualify. Well, I did. Fortunately, I can now afford a decent apartment. I can feed myself. And I can I can go out occasionally with friends or donate to fa- favorite radio programs. Uh, but it okay. is and well, let me put it to you this way, Robin. My donation to you has kept me from overspending for the last. What, year or so that I've been a, a Patreon subscriber because I know that payment comes out two days before my check is supposed to be there. So that's how I, I, I'm able to keep two or three hundred dollars extra. Now that's above what gets donated to your program. So when I tell you I'm not hurting myself financially, I mean it. Well, I cannot thank you, you enough. Know. You, you sort of echo the words of uh, uh, the uh, uh, the sage Ken from Northwest Pennsylvania, who talks about his radical self interest. And it, well, you know, and that's one re- one reason Christine and I support this program is because I don't know how many times Christine has said Robin's work is critical. She, her voice is necessary. And so, uh, that, that, because she can't operate her phone well enough to, to do it herself, she has me do it. And then 
that's why when I I sent the donation, it, it really is from both Christine and I. Because Christine ends up paying me her half, I end up paying my half, and it works out nicely. That's just so sweet. Now, I can't thank you enough. Um, I encourage anybody, even and uh, you have a wide variety of people who speak on this program, and I would like to hear more from as people would, who haven't. As would I. As would I. You know, the, that's a that's a big. You know, there's no advertising budget. There's no PR budget. Everything that happens here happens as a matter of work, word of mouth. We've had a lot of carryover from other progressive shows, and it's beautiful. And, you know, I've said before, I, this could be a five-hour show if, the, you know, if, if, if that many people want to talk. And the thing is, everybody, everybody, everybody who brings something to this conversation really does bring something to this conversation. There aren't any dull calls here. I'm so fortunate in that oh, regard, no. you know. I don't, you know, the 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 the, uh, uh, the 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 guy who used to broadcast with half my brain tied behind my back for the for the for the listeners in Rio Linda. Yeah, the most he could get out of one of his callers was Megadittos from Busted Knuckle Rush. I just yeah, I want to have your babies, and and that and that was about as far as. It, but there's content here, and I love that. I, I, I finish the program, and I spend the next 24 hours thinking about the things that I've heard. In, 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 you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is this is a real community, a real family, because when one of us has a problem or one of us is at a, at a at a time in our life when it's a disaster, we can call into the program. You're there. Other members of the community are there. And you don't feel so alone. That's why when, you know, uh, Darlene was talking about her mother, it made me think about when my mom got sick and I called in and everybody was having a good time until... They said, my mom's got cancer. And then it became serious. But the caring and, and, and the support, or when Christine had her stroke, how many people were like, Dave, she's going to be okay. We're pulling for her. And Christine, Christine had told me she felt every last one of those. You know, whether it was... Uh, Jude and women standing, keeping her in their intentions, or, or just shorty going, Dave, don't worry about this. Chris is going to be fine. Those things mean something to people in this community, in this family. And there are plenty of you who are members of my family of choice. And I want to make sure that I'm able to talk to y'all. So, you know, my, my little donation, added with a bunch of other little donations, will keep Robin from having to sweat the small stuff. Because when those bills get paid, she's going to be able to breathe a lot easier. And she's going to be able to concentrate on her work. Well, that's enough. 
pontificating from the blind, Robin. So well, it's been it's like, been it's been it's been one it's been a pontification for the ages, Dave. And I think what six cowbells? That's got to be some kind of record for me. I must have built my engineer accidentally. I, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe you, maybe maybe you had your maybe you had your Ovaltine. You know, don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. That's the, the secret decoder ring. Well, yeah, there. Well, that doesn't make me a double knot spy, does it? If I got my Ovaltine. No, 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 you, no. You still get no. You you still get to collect your nickel squirter and yeah, right. It's kind of treasure. Okay, huh? I, I, well, I didn't. I didn't know. Well, the the, the rules right, the well. rules change with some fluidity. Dave, have a great evening, my friend. You too. All right. You too. Take care. We'll do. Bye. Bye. Ah. <laughs> oh God, I love Dave's calls. <laughs> and you know, that mixes the serious and the truly absurd and Zionsville, not far from. Taliban Indianapolis, but not far enough. By the way, Billable Rick says, uh, eating or drinking coffee while listening to the horn. Robin, I don't know how many times me and other people have lost their appetites or shot coffee out their noses while listening to the horn, usually with either Scotty or Dave on the phone. Thanks, folks. How many more late lunches, snacks, and dinners must be ruined by listening to the horn? So I suggest that it's time for you to add the following disclaimer at the beginning of your show. Oh, I think I have. Oh, I have to use the announce voice for this, don't I? It's it's a little harder to do now. Warning: the Horn General has determined that listening to this program while eating or drinking may be hazardous to your gastronomical health and to people and objects around you. Please exercise extreme caution should you unwisely choose to eat or drink while listening to Head On with Robin Kincaid. We now return you to your regularly scheduled. Oh, shut up, Robin. Uh, we're into the third hour of the program for this Thorn in the Side Thursday, and thank you very kindly to Roger. Um, we're not fundraising this evening, but Roger just jumped in and and uh, and responded to uh, uh, Ralph's for the heck of it challenge. So that actually means we're into fundraising for Monday, which is just amazing. Thank you, Roger. Thank you. Thank you for responding to Ralph's. Um, Let's check in on some uh, other uh, some other stories round and about. In yesterday's program, I reported on the 18-page opinion issued by United States District Judge uh, David Carter in the case of John Eastman's emails with Nitwit Nero. Again, Judge Carter is a uh, an Article Three. Lifetime appointed United States District Court judge who has managed to uh, to fulfill the duties of his office, you know, without ever being accused of like raping a passed out drunk girl when he was a high schooler or being a member of a weird Christian cult. Um, he's done a you know, he's done his job. Well, that's not enough for Nitwit Nero because, well, David Carter, as noted in yesterday's program, issued a um, issued a ruling saying that Nitwit Nero lied 
when he signed statements that he knew were demonstrably and factually and entirely false. Okay? Um, And thank you to Emilio jumping in. Thank you so much. Helping out on Monday. Much obliged. Well, Nitwit Nero went on his flagging, uh, probably buggy and God knows virus-infested third-rate social media platform to throw a fit about Judge Carter. Who is this Clinton-appointed judge, David Carter, who keeps saying and sending to all very nasty, wrong, and ill-informed statements about me on rulings or a case, whatever, currently going on in California that I know nothing about, nor am I represented? I would dearly love to watch my sainted grandmother who taught school in this county for... 65 years or so I would dearly love to see her she was big into diagramming sentences honest to God I think she could have diagrammed James Madison and that's some complicated language she could have diagrammed Chaucer I don't think she could have handled it who okay let's do this without the stupid voice who's this Clinton appointed and by the way judge has apostrophes around it, not quotation marks, apostrophes. Who's this Clinton-appointed judge, David Carter, who keeps saying and sending to all, what does that mean? Very nasty, wrong, and ill-informed statements about me on rulings or a case, whatever, comma, the the whatever's in parentheses, comma, currently going on in California, comma, that I know nothing (laughs) Nothing about, nor am I represented. And who the fuck is John Eastman? I never heard of him. I added that. With that being said, please explain to this partisan hack that the presidential election of 2020 was rigged. That's capital R rigged. It's the German noun rigged. And stolen. That's also German. Verb? We're capitalizing German verbs now? Uh... In English? Also, he shouldn't be making statements about me until he understands the facts, which he doesn't. And it all stems from the fact that basically David Carter said, this motherfucker's indictable right now. Um, Because basically the judge reviewed like 500 emails and said most of those were attorney-client privilege between Eastman and, 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 and you know, Geezer discussed us. But there were eight that he said were not. And it's those eight that he said were not privileged that has uh, Nitwit Nero's maiden forms in a bunch. Because those eight were exempted from privilege under the crime-fraud exception that says lawyers and their clients cannot discuss criminal activity or, moreover, that lawyers can't advise their clients on how to commit crimes. Jesus. 
Es, eh, so since he it, ruled the way that, that makes him a partisan hack for applying a standard of evidentiary review that any federal judge would apply under the same or similar circumstances. Stoke the stroke, y'all. And they have to do with legal advice that Eastman gave Trump that the House Select Committee is entitled to receive. Partisan hack. I don't know him. I've never heard of him. And every time he says the election was rigged and stolen, remember, there is hard, uncontrovertible evidence that he knows it isn't. It isn't. It wasn't. It hasn't been. Oh, well. Don't you know he's climbing the walls down at Magaloco? Oh, and look, Justice Handmaid kind of sort of got something right. A request for uh, immediate injunctive relief landed on uh, her desk because she's got jurisdiction of emer- over emergency relief from Wisconsin. And one of the new lawsuits that seeks to uh, destroy President Biden's student loan forgiveness came from the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, Will. How clever. Uh, They filed it on behalf of the Brown County Taxpayers Association and said that taxpayers are injured by the plan by having to pay for it with either inflation or future tax increases. Well, for once, the handmaid, like I said, you know, a blind hog finds an acorn now and then, and the handmaid is munching away. The thing is, it was so poorly drafted and so ill thought out that even even the handmaid uh, even the handmaid had to say, "Nope, this one's got to go." There was no proof of actual harm within the within the four corners of the complaint, and there was no indication of real live no kidding standing. So no case, no controversy, no standing. That's sort of the three strikes and you're out. And the folks at Will said, uh, applicants aware that prudential notions of standing are an issue here, uh, aware of the concern that federal courts should not be transformed into forums for the abstract litigation of questions in which litigants without a concrete stake in the matter press claims that do not discreetly affect them, 
and basically admitting that they were submitting a bullshit, you know, that, that they were filing a bullshit petition simply for the sake of, I guess, justifying their uh, their grants. And even she had to go see ya. Oh, and this is this is kind of fun. It's always neat to see when uh, Republicans. Well, maybe maybe a Republican could do this, but a Democrat couldn't. Um, Matt Lewis, a never Trumper, an opinion columnist for the Daily Beast. Uh, I think he didn't. He came. He came. Came out of the uh, loyal Bushy camp, didn't he? Well, he penned a column posted today to the Daily Beast, in which he took a uh, uh, he, he took a break from hammering Julius Geezer to instead hammer Tulsi Tulsi Gabbard. And good for him. Slimy little grifter that she is. Bigot. Um, yeah, she made a big production out of saying she wasn't going to be a Democrat anymore. And I guess some members of the Sparkle Fart Propelled Unicorn Cavalry Purity Patrol went with her. Um, yeah, I don't know. And so... Um, among other things, she has endorsed Carrie Lake in Arizona, who recently got the hell schooled out of her for claiming that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would be MAGA. Now, Matt Lewis didn't so much write a column about Tulsi as he pens a crushing brief against her. With the headline, Tulsi Gabbard doesn't really stand for anything. No principles, no problem. Uh, the su subhead says, and that's why it makes total sense that the ex-Democrat is the MAGA GOP's new shining star. And he blistered her for endorsing Carrie Lake and campaigning for Carrie Lake. Lewis asking, when exactly did the Democratic Party become woke warmongers? Was it before or after Gabbard backed Clinton and Biden? He says, I struggle to find any coherence in Gabbard's political philosophy or strategy, but as a lifelong conservative, one possible answer may be that the Republican Party has left us. It's become the kind of MAGA party that's attractive to people like Lake, a former Obama voter, Donald Trump, a former Clinton supporter. They, 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 these anti-Trump Republicans love to point this shit out. Kanye George Bush doesn't care about black people West, Dr. Mehmet Oz of Oprah fame, and now the ex-Bernie booster, Tulsi Gabbard.
this is yeah this is this is this is leaves a mark and of course he gets a dig because he's a he's a republican he gets a dig in it wokeness i'm so sick of it to the degree that wokeness is the 2022 update of political correctness meets identity politics, Dems have been trafficking in that for decades. Trafficking, you know, just like drugs. So why did Tulsi decide to break up with the Democrats, and why now? I struggle to find any coherence in Gabbard's political philosophy or strategy, but as a lifelong conservative, one possible answer, the Republican Party has left us. In these reactionary times, ambitious right-wing newbies just have to make the right enemies, and they're parlaying their fame into taking over not just the GOP, but the conservative movement. A common thread among the MAGA upstarts is that they're opportunistic and attention-starved. Politics, once dreary and boring to the general public, is now a gateway to widespread attention, and the far right has by far the lowest barrier to entry. Ooh, that's sharp. Politics, once dreary and boring to the general public, is now a gateway to widespread attention, and the far right has by far the lowest barrier to entry. In this regard, Gabbard is merely the latest celebrity brand to hop on the conservative entertainment wing's wagon in pursuit of even more clout. Seen in that light, Gabbard's conversion, seemingly timed to coincide with the launch of a new podcast, haha, is less confusing. Tulsi didn't have to pay her dues or show her conservative credentials. All she had to do is slam her own party. Instant MAGA stardom. Welcome aboard Tulsi. You'll fit right in. That's about as transactional as what goes on any, uh, any given night at a gentleman's club. Isn't it? I mean, that's the very definition of transactional. But the number, uh, but the number of people are going. Oh no, Tulsi's right. Nuclear war. Biden's going to start a nuclear war. We. I remember when people like that were called cheese-eating surrender monkeys. So from one right-wing opinionator to another, Washington Post's uh, right-winger, Michael Gerson, who is a conservative, um, I don't even know what conservative means anymore. Uh, I, I think it just means they still hate poor people. Well, uh, he uh, he penned an op-ed for the Post today, talking about back when uh, he worked in the White House when Trent Lott uh, endorsed Strom Thurmond as a Republican ideal. That was he was a loyal Bushy. Gerson was, and he said the general goodwill of the GOP on racial issues still could be broadly assumed. What? Wait a minute. The goodwill of the GOP on racial issues when Ronald Reagan opened his 1980 campaign at the Neshoba County Fairgrounds in Philadelphia, Mississippi, scant miles away 
from where three civil rights workers were murdered and buried in an earthen dam? Cheney, Schwarmer, Goodman. Yeah, that GOP goodwill. This is among the worst errors of moral judgment I have made as a columnist, he says, assuming the general goodwill of the GOP on racial issues. I tended to view bigotry as one of America's defects or failures. The historical works I read often tried, read, often tried to defend the best elements of the American ideal as dramatically outweighing the worst moments of its application. Oh, wait a minute. That's a little bit like something I've said for years and years and years. That the American experiment in democracy is far more aspirational than operational. And he pointed out that, lo and behold, we are now in an era of renewed clannish violence. This is an environment into which the MAGA movement is pumping a toxic discharge of bigotry. Former presidential Trump, uh, President Donald Trump recently employed his own supposedly lighthearted treatment of racism's cruelest epithet, epithet the N-word, he told a campaign rally. Do you know what the N-word is? The crowd certainly did when given permission to use it by Trump. It's, no, 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 it's nu- the nuclear word. This was not a dog whistle. It was a Confederate trumpet. And he brings up the fact that Nitwit Nero had said that the low-income housing will invade your neighborhood. And he's gone so far now as saying, I want to take back that beautiful, beautiful house that happens to be white. And then Gerson goes on and quotes uh, Tommy, uh, Tom, Tommy the Tuber from Alabama. They want crime. They want to control what you have. They want rep- They want reparations. We talked about that. And then he says, in MAGA world, the incitement of white grievance is the strategy. Such appeals are inseparable from racism, and they reopen a wound that nearly killed the patient before. It's politics at its most pernicious. So now I guess Michael Gerson's eyes are wide open and he knows that the Republican Party is a racist party. Is that what I'm to understand here? Oh, but he's still a conservative. So that means when it comes to anything that actually matters to the American people, he'll worry more about its impact on wealthy on, on, on wealthy people than the people who actually need help with power bills and water bills and house payments and mortgages, rent, auto repairs. I wonder if he penned any columns back uh, 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 excoriating the Biden policies that actually for a brief time lifted literally millions of children out of food insecurity and families out of poverty. Or is that a bridge too far? Oh, I know. A little ray of sunshine, Robin. Uh, Lady B says, I'm desperately trying to find audio from what I believe was a Nicole, Nicole Wallace segment today where she and her guest discussed how much easier it would be if men took more responsibility for using birth control. They talked about how the studies done showed that the medicinal forms given to guys caused side effects, and that's why there was a reluctance to do further studies. 
men would suffer side effects from taking birth control. Because never in history of ever has that been a problem for women. Yeah. Anyway, if you or someone else can find that audio, that would be great. It was a really good segment. The guest read the male viewers of the Riot Act, or read the male viewers of the Riot Act. She was spouting facts all day. All I could think of was, why hasn't anyone laid out facts like this before? To summarize, it's much easier for men to take responsibility for birth control. They have a lot less on the line physically than women do. So if the fundamentalists want to cry about the precious fetuses, they should fund studies on how to get men to be more responsible and not just burden women. Because men can't fucking get pregnant. That's why if you don't want unwanted pregnancies, you focus on the root or stem of the problem. See, if I could just opine here for a moment, Lady B. If you come up with a male pill, um, that they have to take every day then they're going to expect to have some sort of a right to have sex all the time. Your best bet's like a once every six months or once a year shot or something. Because if you see any of the incel stuff, well, the incels... We don't need to take it. Nobody's ever going to have sex with me. Poor little incels. They go back to cleaning their AR-15s and posting about how they hate women. But I think you see my point. A woman takes the pill at the same time every day, religiously, because it's the closest thing to a guarantee that she's not going to have an unwanted pregnancy. It's a different mindset. I'm not excusing. I'm trying to explain. And it's more in the way of uh, how, uh, an indication of how much the culture has to change. Dude culture. Bro culture. Uh, Lady B says, I worded, I worded the last email improperly. Of course men can't get pregnant, and that's the problem. That's why they think they can call the shots, but if they claim to be pro-life, shouldn't, the, shouldn't they work harder to make sure they aren't impregnating every, every one-night stand? Some of them hope they are. And they love the idea of disappearing. The mindset is pretty gross. But it's interesting you would bring that up because uh, men can't get pregnant. Uh, Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz is, as we know, a filthy little sleazebag. And earlier this week, he got on he got on the Twitter because a creepy little right wing pos, a conservative activist by the name of Phil Kirpin, had tweeted screenshots from a preschool in Washington, D.C. to parents. Because one of the preschool, one of the teachers there at the school is pregnant. 
the pregnant teacher happens to be a trans man. And it, there was a picture of the teacher and his baby bump and his wife, who is a trans woman. And they are the natural parents of the child. The tweet shared the name of the trans preschool teacher to the 5.3 million people that follow his filthy Twitter account. And the school and, and, and the, 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 the message from the school was actually decent and uplifting. Talking about how to talk about issues like this with kids. But Raphaelito retweeted this uh, this post from Phil Kirpin, horrible human being, with the words not satire, as if these people's lives are a goddamn joke. And so even though the tweet got uh, got deleted, lo and behold, it got picked up by filthy outfits like the Sinclair Broadcast Group's National Desk, who also spread the teacher's name, the Washington Examiner, the Citizen Free Press, exposing this loving couple eager to welcome their child into the world to the fullness of the hatred of the weaponized right in this election season. So that's, that, you know, that's how gross it can get and will get and continues to get. And you know what? Stress is, stress is a bad thing for pregnant people. And I imagine this is only going to add more stress to him and to his wife. And, you know, for somebody who claims to be pro-life, that's a really, really, really shitty thing to do. They're not aborting. They're happy to welcome this baby into the, into the world. And they will be good and loving parents. Isn't that what the goddamn maggots and Republicans and the handmaid and the beer brat and the rest of them want? Oh, but only if they're the right babies. Because seeing a pregnant dude with a beard and a mustache and a baby bump, that's just too much. Sick fuckers. And yeah, that is the argument, Lady B, 
Uh, isn't that the argument the fundamentalists make when it's suggested that girls should start birth control and not get pregnant, that they will want to have sex because they're taking birth control, even though it might be just to regulate their periods? Sure it is. But those are assumptions about girls. Uh, within the halls of toxic masculinity, however, those aren't necessarily assumptions. Those are things that people that, that they say online in forums and so forth on the regular. But remember, the right wing hates birth control generally. Remember that Griswold, by establishing the principle of a right to privacy, made the pill available to women by prescription and is at the center of the entire right-to-life movement. They don't care if these drugs are life-saving. They don't care if, 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 if a formulation that is generally sold as a birth control pill actually helps, uh, helps women, girls and women regulate polycystic ovarian syndrome. They don't care. They don't care if, 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 a, if a drug that is used by trans women to su- suppress testosterone also re- is, is shown to relieve symptoms of polycystic ovarian syndrome and make lives better. No. No. Or methotrexate that we talked about last week or earlier this week maybe. I don't know. that gave substantial relief to a 14-year-old girl's rheumatoid arthritis and allowed her to get out of her wheelchair. But her prescription was denied by a maggoty right-wing pharmacist because it can induce abortions. And the pharmacist didn't even ask if she was pregnant. Didn't care. He just said no. CVS and Walgreens are both out there pushing conscience policies that say that their pharmacists can simply refuse to fill a prescription issued by a, phys- by a physician licensed to practice by the state governing body in that given state. The policy ought to be if you think that you don't if, if you don't want if you want to if you don't want to do your job we don't want you we don't want you here. Go find yourself some Christian pharmacy or I don't I, I don't know the, the snake handling drug store work for them. But no. And Walgreens and CVS are going to damned well get away with it. So that, yeah, and the irony is in the D.C. couple, you're absolutely right, Lady B, they're a heterosexual couple, both mentally and physically. It's just that the husband got pregnant by his wife, kind of deep if you think about it, but then again, I did dose myself today. Dose or no dose, it is deep. It's it's, It's like a... 
It's like a reverse image to see the picture of the couple. They're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful together. And it doesn't engender any revulsion. When I saw it, it didn't engender anything but warmth and love. And hope and compassion and joy. But that's not how, can, uh, what's his name, Kirpin looks at it. That's not how Republicans look at it. They just look at it and see two people that they absolutely hate and wish were dead. And when the child is born, that they would like very much to take away from those loving parents. Fortunately, they're in a, uh, those loving parents are in a place where Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz or the rest of the maggot vomit squad can't reach them. But they did everything they could, outing their names to millions upon millions upon millions of mouth-breathing, knuckle-walking, misanthropic, monstrous Freaks. Because yeah. they love God. They're Christians and they have the love of the Prince of Peace. No, this isn't, isn't prayer meeting Wednesday, but, you know, we call it out when we see it. Speaking of which, let's see, yesterday we had uh, Randy Kaufman rubbing one out in Arizona by the preschool. Today we have David Pendley, who uh, at least at one point in time was a teacher at a Christian private school in Las Vegas. It was December 2021 when a senior at Faith Lutheran told police that a teacher had raped her. It was David Pendley. He invited the young woman to a mission trip to Mexico with other students. He asked them to go to go for a walk in Mexico and he tried to get close to her on a personal level. When they got back to Vegas, he sidled up to her and whispered in her ear, I love you, and held on to her until she was finally able to pull away. Then he harangued her for a picture of her face. And he started messaging her about how he wanted to touch her breasts. Remember, this is a teacher to Christian school, y'all. And then he asked her to puppy sit for him. And for a variety of reasons, 
she went. And when she got there, she realized she was alone with him, and he raped her. And he continued to rape her over the next six months, including at the school. He was only fired from the school in 2020, and not for raping anybody, but for drinking on school premises. Now, here's the kicker. He told the young woman, this guy did, that he was doing to her what he was doing because he loved her. And because, and this is a quote, God made me that way. God made David Pendley a rapist. Well, the Old Testament is kind of full of that stuff. All about how to go in and kill every all all the all the grown women and I mean it's right there. Kill all the men, the cattle, the dogs, the beasts of the field. But save the virgins to be raped by the priests. Don't trust me. Look it up. It's there. I'm sorry you had a crummy day today, Emilio. Emilio says, I'm going to get fired, Robin. Help me, Robin, one radio B. Okay, not really, but God, I'm stupid sometimes, and I had a crummy day today. No further action needed. I just like a read of this email on the air if you can, and if not, that's fine. I'm having my midlife crisis. I understand. Um, Elderberry Serp seems to be helping in answer to a question. Um, As to David Pentley, I'm pretty sure I know how he votes. Because of course I do. And of course you do. And in the time remaining on the program here, if you'd like to get in and carry on some conversation, you're more than welcome to. Uh, Jude said, uh, I tried to call in. I saw, uh, well, I saw the phone ring, and then I saw the phone hang up. Uh, saw the phone ring. That's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, back in the day, only if you had the multi-line with the little buttons that flashed and stuff. Uh, Jude said, uh, I tried to call in, but that heart of mine started pounding. That limbic system of mine. One of my daughters is dealing with schizophrenia along with the cocaine addiction. She's been out on the streets, captured numerous times in sex trafficking, found her way out to only go back out, go out again without shoes, roaming, yet refusing help. Jude says, I'm unable to give the full breadth of voice in conveying how this personally has impacted me as her mother, let alone the deep, frightening duress she walks in. She just called and is willing to go into the hospital for professional care, Robin. Tomorrow I will take her. Giving words helps me. I hope she remains willing tomorrow. 
I hope she is somewhere she can be safe until tomorrow. You know you are in everyone's heart, Jude. Be at peace. Oh, there's some lovely stuff. Courtesy of Scary Jerry. No politics, just media from a blue county. Some art from Miami Wynwood. Oh, that's just... Nice. Just nice. Little video. How about that? A smoke shop van. Just cruising down the highways and byways of the greater Miami area. Darlene in Connecticut says, It sounds like the trans couple needs to go all Sandy Hook promise on being doxxed. Just like Sandy Hook Promise did on Remington and member parents did on Alex Jones' job. Well, I hope they can. Uh, yeah, uh, I. I don't know. I don't know all the particulars. They probably can't touch Rafaelito Eduardo Cruz, the anointed booger-eating future king of America, and of course Twitter won't do a damn thing. Because if you're a maggot, you can get away with well just about anything. Oh, Jerry, thank you. Wait a minute, is that a por- is it, is that a is the Porsche inside the building or And yes, the dresses are fabulous. Oh, to be in a place warm enough to get away with wearing that. But still, the pay the you know, the payback is that you're doing it in Florida, Jerry. I get it. Balancing act. Cost benefit analysis, sure. And let's see. Haven't heard a lot from Paul Eddie Munster Ryan in a while. Remember uh, the only actual job he'd ever held uh, up until he started taking checks from what? Fox News TV Radio Rwanda was as the uh, operator of the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Well, no, no, no. He he he, uh, he also worked. Uh, oh, I love that place. Why can't I remember the name of it anymore? It's a little, little Tex-Mex joint down the hill from the house office buildings. Uh, he gave an interview and said Nitwit Nero's unelectability will uh, will be palpable by 2024. We all know that he'll lose. We all know he's so much more likely to lose the White House than anybody else running for president on our side of the aisle. So why would we want to go with that? Adding, the only reason he stays where he is is because everybody's afraid of him. They're afraid of him going after them, hurting their own ambition. But as soon as you sort of get the herd mentality going, it's unstoppable. Whether he runs or not, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know if it matters. He's not going to be the nominee, I don't think.
Nitwit Nero, of course, has previously called him a pathetic loser. <sighs> sure. Well, I mean, he is the he is the granny starver. Remember in 2012 when we learned all about how he had uh, been dreaming since the days he was filling uh, filling his uh, uh, his red cup with draft beer at the kegger. Not an intergalactic kegger. Talking about how someday he hoped to take away Social Security, even though he was going to school with Social Security money. Yeah, that Paul Ryan. But I guess uh, I guess he won't be getting any any invitations down to uh, Magaloco. And out in Arizona, Stan, Carrie Lake, who of course was endorsed by and campaigned for by Tulsi Gabbard, that's the Swiss pronunciation. Well, her uh, her campaign manager is a creep by the name of Colton Duncan. And when what we used to call Columbus Day rolled around and what we now, some of us call Indigenous Peoples Day, Colton Duncan tweeted, Happy Indigenous Peoples Day and uh, included a graphic of a human sacrifice down somewhere in Mesoamerica, which is, curiously enough, not Arizona. This is the same person that uh, Carrie Lake called the most important person in my campaign. You know... Jesus. Debbie Nez Manuel, who is a Navajo and National Committee woman with the Arizona Democratic Party, said it's just infuriating. This is probably one of the worst things I've seen. And added, Carrie Lake is the candidate. She's 100% responsible for whatever her campaign manager does. Oh, God, there's no one they won't mock. There's no one they won't minimize. There's no one they won't try to harm. And somehow or another, they've got a fighting chance at taking over one or both houses of the Congress. And for the life of me, I do not understand why. Matt in San Francisco's heart is going out to the couple in D.C. They no doubt will have to change their phone number, find a new place to live, change jobs, hire round-the-clock security. It must be hell. How horrible. And all that in the midst of welcoming a new and beloved life into their world. As far as I'm concerned... 
every time a Republican says a damn thing about being pro-life, well, if there was a great big bearded juvenile delinquent in the sky, there wouldn't be much left but greasy spots. What? Darlene in Connecticut just sent this along. Bobert tells Republican dinner guests they're part of second coming of Jesus. At a dinner hosted by Knox County Republican Party in Tennessee on Wednesday, that would be Knoxville area, Lauren Bobblehead Bobert, Clanny Oakley, said, I want to start with two words. Let's go, Brandon. Hello, Cleveland! In all seriousness, there's a calling on each and every one of you to be involved and rise up. It's an honor to serve in this time. I believe that many of us in this room believe that we are in the last of the last days. Okay, but not the last of the last of the last days. Just to be clear. And that's not a time to complain. That's not a time to grumble, to be dismayed, to be disheartened, but a time to rejoice. God shall go anywhere for a nickel. You get to be a part of ushering in the second coming of Jesus. The Lincoln Project said, Christian or not, Lauren Boebert cannot adequately represent any constituent who does not believe in this end times prophecy. Can you really have someone making decisions on your behalf that thinks that nothing they do now will matter? Good question. And, but I'll bet you that the crowd sitting there, whoever was assembled there in Knox County, Tennessee, probably put their hands in the air and said, Yes, Jesus, yes. Testify, Lauren, testify. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. While she runs, runs around the country hating people that, you know, her avatar. Yeshua, the brown-skinned Palestinian day laborer and semi-literate itinerant rabbi who wore a dress every day of their life, said not to hate. But there we go. And look at us. Three hours. Gone. Again. But it's been a glorious three hours. And uh, I really appreciate you tuning in or listening on the podcast. Oh, God, one more breaking news from the courts of uh, Southern California. A Los Angeles County jury this afternoon issued a guilty verdict on a former UCLA gynecologist named Dr. James Heaps. This is so sickening. He was a renowned cancer specialist. He was associated with UCLA for 35 years. 
UCLA has paid out some $700 million, or their insurance carrier, to hundreds of patients of Dr. Heaps. for the sexual abuse that he, 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 he perpetrated on them. Deputy District Attorney Danette Myers during trial said, instead of upholding the Hippocratic Oath, Heaps used his position as a doctor, as a specialist, to sexually assault seven incredibly vulnerable women. He groped the women. He penetrated them with his ungloved hand committed acts of sexual arousal under the guise of medical examinations. This guy sounds like the guy in Michigan. He was charged with 21 felony counts. He was only found guilty of three counts of sexual battery by fraud and two counts of sexual penetration of an unconscious person. He was found not guilty on seven other counts, including one count of sexual exploitation. And then a, 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 mis, a mistrial was declared on uh, nine other counts. The jury declared that the, or the judge declared the ju jury was hopelessly deadlocked. And, and, and the, the horrifying thing is, basically at the same time this doctor was doing that at UCLA, there was another gynecologist doing the same at USC, George Tyndall, who was accused of hundreds of counts of sexual misconduct towards students. He's still waiting, awaiting trial. He practiced in the campus clinic. It would be easy to say, how does this happen? But in some senses, we know how it happens. Kind of wonder how they vote. This is why I don't, well, never mind. So that's it. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, everybody, for making this and tomorrow a fundraising-free program. I love it. It's nice not to talk about. Thank you. Thank you to our pay PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you, Roger, for answering Ralph's challenge this evening. Thank you. To each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Sparky and Steve in the chat room earlier. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, brand new Fresh Malloy on the way, 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. And, well, Friday, tomorrow and Monday, it'll be me. Uh, putting the uh, spark to the tinder around the truth seeker campfire. 
Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia at a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. Wash your hands. Don't, t- don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Keep your social distance 15 to 20 feet from uh, potential maggot unwashed. Wear your mask when out amongst them. Saw a statistic earlier today. Uh, the, the rate's running like uh, something like 30 people die in America of COVID every eight minutes. It ain't over. And, of course, if some uh, baffled brunette comes toward you saying, you know, Jesus is coming soon, hand me a tissue. Avoid that Clanny Oakley like the plague, because she is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later. <laughs>